Today on Stick to Football, we are taking over off the cuff in Deep LM Dallas. This place is absolutely amazing. Uh, thank you so much to them for hosting us today. The setup is unreal. Uh, no YouTube today, unfortunately. We should have brought a camera for this. But Mello, Connor, Matt, guys, this is uh, it's been a fun weekend already. Uh, we're recording about an hour before kickoff of the Red River Showdowns, and we're going to do our best to not talk about this game because I'm going to be sad. Yeah, I mean... It, oh, you can't say that because they obviously won last year. So you're, you're just lacking confidence for this year. But we're going to talk about all the players in this game to start off our show, which I think we're excited about because whether you're a fan of Oklahoma, whether you're a fan of Texas, whether you don't give a shit about either of these teams, yep. I think at the end of the day, this is a draft radar classic. Absolutely is. We're going to go deep on the draft. Mello, we're going to break down Texas. We're going to break down OU, those players, how they look for the next level. And then also to end the show, because we are on the tailgate tour, we're going to do two segments of live draft on draft. So if you're in the bar and you have a question, save it. Let Austin know. In the last two segments, we'll be doing our draft on draft, which we, we love interacting with you all. So get your questions ready. But guys, let's start looking at this Oklahoma draft class. It is loaded this year. And I think, you know, I was I was being interviewed the other day, actually, and, and someone asked me, who are you most surprised about this year as a prospect? And honestly, it's Jalen Hurts. No one has surprised me more. And I think we could start there. A player that I feel like we've almost hedged on a little bit of like, oh, I don't, we don't want to talk about Jalen Hurts yet because we want to see more. I feel like even though they haven't really played anyone, I think we've seen enough. And I'll say this. I thought Jalen Hurts coming into the year, it, had he not gone to Oklahoma, we would be talking about a day three prospect that Nick Saban and the NFL thought was a running back. Now we're looking at Jalen Hurts because Lincoln Kelly sold his soul to the devil and is now a quarterback god. Now we're talking about Jalen Hurts is, I believe, a round two type quarterback. Mello, where do you have him on your board? I, I would agree with you. He's pretty low on my board, too. But I'm telling you, I bought into the Lincoln Riley hype very early. I did not discredit him and say this guy's got to play running back. Not after you transfer to Oklahoma. Uh, Lincoln Riley could probably turn me into an NFL quarterback. That's not as much work as it sounds like. But... I really like what he's doing here. He's throwing the ball very well. We all knew he could run the ball at Alabama, but now to come in, work with guys like CeeDee Lamb and Rambo and Calcaterra, he looks like he could be a pro quarterback. And we're seeing more guys like Lamar Jackson be able to move around in the pocket where the NFL is valuing that. So I do think that we really have to give a deep dive to Jalen Hurts and, and what he can be, especially with how well he's throwing the ball. Oh, and I think another thing, too, with Jalen Hurts is that mental makeup. Scouts are going to fall in love with this yep. guy. I mean, his ability to lead the team, he obviously is a little upset probably, you know, losing his job at Alabama to a great talent like Tua. And he's clearly on a mission this year, and he keeps saying it. He doesn't really care about these previous wins. He goes, you know, he has his eyes he's ahead. He's playing the Iron Bowl. Yeah. He's playing the national championship yeah. game, right? I mean, anything, a national championship or bust is basically the motto for Jalen Hurts right now. And I think that matters as a pro prospect because I think teams are really going to like that mindset. You know, guys, one thing I, I know I've told you both before that is huge with my quarterback evaluation is have you overcome some kind of adversity? We talked about it with Sam Darnold. We talked about it with Baker Mayfield. We talked about it on the other side with Josh Rosen, actually. Yeah. And so I think with Jalen Hurts, he has overcome adversity. And one thing that definitely gets brought up anytime you talk to a scout about Jalen, it's how hard he's worked to improve his throwing motion. Melo, you know this. You played quarterback. His arm even just looks different now I mean it looks looser I would still say his mechanics are a little rigid but he just looks more comfortable and more fluid as a passer for me it looks like he was very limited in what Alabama would let him do like they knew that they had a running quarterback that was going to succeed and I don't think Nick Saban or whichever offensive coordinator was there at the time wanted to take the chance to develop him as a passer they just said this is what you do really well 
let's do this. We can win a national championship if you just do this really well. But then he goes and he starts at Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley again developing him into a quarterback. The throwing motion looks good. His arm looks live. He's taking more shots downfield. He's moving in the pocket. He's doing everything that you want a quarterback to do. It, it just kind of sucks for him that for the last three years of his career, he was kind of that run-first option at quarterback. Yeah, I think you make a great point, Melo, that taking more chances, that's the key here for Jalen Hurts. I think at Alabama, uh, a team that just has an elite defense year after year, they really did limit what they asked him to do. And he yeah. was a young starter. That's what a lot of people forget over there. I think it's amazing how many times, guys, and we do talk about this, playing early can almost hurt you because it paints. This happened to even Joe Burrow last year. I fell yep. victim to it. Yep. You look at Joe Burrow and you say, well, he looks like a game-managing kind of tough guy quarterback. This year, a full offseason at LSU in a new offense that's a lot more pass-happy, you're talking about a quarterback prospect of a player. Yep. So starting early in a way kind of hurt the picture of Jalen Hurts. And- I don't want to jump segments too much. Sam Ellinger is the same way. That's a great point. Uh, He came in as a freshman, and I think that coaching staff said, you know what, we can probably be competitive. Let's just put Sam back there. We can win games doing this. We run that old Ohio State offense that they love so much. But now we're starting to see even him develop into a quarterback, and you do that. That's why it's so hard to get guys like Dwayne Haskins, who are those one-year starters. You really need a full, you know, full tape to see what you have at quarterback. Bill Parcells over here. Give me, I need three years to evaluate you, damn it. Yeah. Right, let's look at the at least two. It, two would be great. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the, the guys, other guys on Oklahoma. CD Lamb, I think, is the best pro prospect on this Oklahoma roster. He is, I think there's like a misconception nationally about CD Lamb for people who haven't watched him play a ton that he's like this burner or the he's, he's like because he's not Marquise Brown. He's 6'3, 190 pounds. I don't think he's going to run that well, but he's agile. He's very good with the ball in his hands. He reminds me of Kenny Stills at times, and I know like that's a school comparison, and those are lazy, and but like that's the type of guy he is. Like breaking routes, he's going to dominate you in the middle of the field, and then what he does after the catch is pretty nice. So with him, I have the same questions: is can he separate and can he get open? I have him comped right now to DeAndre Hopkins because I mean, and he might not be that player. It's just play style. He reminds me a lot of Hopkins. He doesn't get open a lot, but, man, that dude can catch the ball anywhere on the field. I mean, we've seen the sideline play against UCLA last year, which I know Stacy loved to see. So, I I mean, this guy can catch the ball anywhere. You throw it high, you throw it low. It doesn't matter who's getting him the ball. He's a threat to catch it. He could be in double coverage. Uh, They're showing him on the screens that we have here live right now. The dude is a human highlight reel. He might not be the fastest guy, but I still think he's a threat to get the ball and then take it to the house because – he might have deceptive speed. He looks slow on tape, but we've seen guys like that before who then they get to the 40 and it's like, okay, 4 4 40. That's perfect. That's all you need from a guy who's six foot two, 190 pounds. Yeah, I was going to say, if he's in that 4 or 5 range, you're happy with that because yeah. of the physicality. And I think it's the old saying, he's always open four feet above his head. That's how right, C.D. Right. Lamb is. I mean, you give him the opportunity, and we've seen the quarterbacks there, whether it's Kyler Murray, Murray whether it's Jalen Hurts, they're willing to give him opportunity even when he's covered. Yep. And his physicality after the catch is truly, truly special. Yep. I know there's been a lot of jokes about the poor tackling on the big highlight he had about two weeks ago, but <laughs> yep. at the end of the day, this guy is really, really strong, great hands. I think the routes have been really, really clean. You see the right timing and tracking. So for C.D. Lamb, to me, 
Uh, he's a first-round wide receiver. I, I, yeah. It's not a conversation to me. I know we've been so fixated on guys like Jerry Judy, T. Higgins, I mean, even Henry Ruggs. But I think C.D. Lamb, since it's almost like Oklahoma scores so much, he almost gets buried in the highlights yeah, once you know, in a while. Right. Yeah, I have him right now as my number three receiver, number 15 overall. I have him 16 overall and my number four receiver. But I think I'm a little bullish on T. Higgins, uh, who's higher. Um, but, no, Lamb is – I agree with you. He's a first-round receiver. Like, let's not overthink this. Yep. Sometimes it's good football players are just good football players. That's right. right? Do, you, do you guys worry that this receiver class is going to get bummed down? When we say, like, C.D. Lamb is a number one – round one receiver. There are so many of them that I do wonder if we're going to see these guys bumped down. Someone's got to fall, I think right? that will ha- – I, I even see it now uh, on Twitter. Fans are like, well, if this receiver class is so good, I'll wait till round two. And it's right. like, I wonder yeah. how many GMs are going to be the same way. of like, ah, I can get, if I can get uh, Jalen Rieger in round two. Well, let's talk about a perfect guy then right now in this game. Charleston Rambo? Colin Johnson. Oh, Colin Johnson. Yeah, I mean. I, I, I mean, Colin Johnson's one of those guys where I think the athleticism and size and even production when he plays is first round. Yeah. I don't think he's a first-round wide receiver right now. No, I don't think he will be either. I, I don't think he's going to run well enough to be. So I, I think that will, that will absolutely crush him. Um, the next Oklahoma player uh, that I have on my list is a redshirt sophomore, but I think he will come out, and that's Creed Humphrey. Uh, playing center, the only returning starter they had on their offensive line, which is remarkable when you think about that four offensive linemen drafted last year. Humphrey comes back. This dude is a dog in the middle of the offensive yeah. line. He plays physical. He plays angry. It's you know, like that Orlando Brown Jr. style of offensive line play that they had, like he fits that mentality Cody so perfectly. Cody Ford, I right. was really worried about Humphrey coming into the season because this was the Joe Moore Award Offensive Line of the Year that had four guys drafted last year. And I thought maybe this guy was just, he was the one in there doing like the chip blocks. He was helping out here and there with everybody else. He's holding his ground this year. Like I was very low on him. I'm kind of biased towards Oklahoma. He's my number one center now. Same. Like, I have him over Tyler Byadash from Wisconsin, who I absolutely love. I really think that we could see both of those guys go in the first round. Creed Humphreys holding his own. You mentioned how he's only a redshirt sophomore, but going in there and starting on that offensive line as a freshman, as your second year in Oklahoma, was pretty impressive. And now you see him taking more of a leadership role with that group that he can control it. He's you know calling out the, the blocking schemes and doing everything like that. He's going to be another guy that I think we're going to see in the round one, probably probably later round one, but I really Sorry, like what he I, can do. I do too, and I don't know if you guys have a comp for him yet. He reminds me so much of Ryan Kelly when he was at Alabama where he's just so smart, and like the game just comes so naturally to him. I don't know. Like Ryan Kelly was pretty picture perfect as a center prospect, but Creed Humphrey, whether it's this year, next year, or God, even the year after that, uh, he's going to be a round one guy for me whenever he comes out. And I think it goes back to the quality of center play in the NFL right now. Those NFL teams are looking to get yeah. those interior linemen. It's just Hello, not very Kansas good. Kansas City, right. let him move just oh a little God, bit. Yeah. It's across right? the league right now how centers are grading out week to week. It's definitely a weak spot across the NFL. And I think when you look at Humphrey, when you look at Biotish, uh, those are two players that you almost want to pencil in the first round, and you go, well, what's the value of center? Well, it's like last those, year. Those guys will have value. Yeah, we exactly. saw, you know, like Garrett Bradbury, like, yep. get bumped. You know, like, okay, yep. we're going to see a run on interior lineman because yep. it is absolutely Frank Ragnar, two years ago. Those guys Frank, get yeah. slid up. I think both of those guys that you talk about had a late rise through the senior bowl yep. and towards the end of the season. I don't think we'll see that with these two centers. I think a lot of people are already in on them, so we could see them even maybe be top 15 guys. And both are underclassmen. So yeah. that, that's the huge thing. Uh, next OU guy for me is Kenneth Murray at linebacker. Incredible production. I feel like last year I watched him play and was like, God, I don't know how like how athletic he actually is. I know he's making like 23 tackles a game against Army, but 
how well does he actually move? I feel like this year he came in lighter and he looks more fluid. Uh, I still like. I don't think the OU defense is that good. I think he makes a ton of tackles because of that at times. Like oh, we're seeing him was, clean everyone up. I think that was definitely the case last year. No one else on that team could tackle or get to the ball. So by default, Kenneth Murray was doing it. Whether it was five years, five yards down the field or five y- yards in the backfield, he was making all of the tackles. This year, he looks like a different player. And I think that he trolls me on Twitter because he likes every time I mention another linebacker. So I don't know if he listens to the show, but I do give uh, Kenneth Murray some love. He looks great this year. He's getting sideline to sideline. You can see that he can kind of play in the trash a little bit, and he's getting into the trenches. And it's not just, you know, I'm the only guy that can make the tackle. He's the first guy to the ball, and they're swarming. So that defense is much improved, and I think a lot of it has to do with Kenneth Murray. Yeah, I know the level of competition hasn't been great, but the two defensive ends for Oklahoma have given him a lot more room to work with this year to get into the backfield, to get to the sideline, to make plays. Like you said, Melo, working through the trash, running through the mud, he's been able to do that so far. So I like Murray's athleticism. I I don't know. It's tough to be an off-ball linebacker and go in the first round. And for the people that will throw the names that have done that recently, Van Der Esch or Roquan Smith, those are pretty rare talents. Even Devin Bush, Devin White. I don't know if Murray's that guy yet, but you have to love what you see so far. And this year, like Isaiah Simmons and Dylan Moses are probably going to go first round. So, like, well, Mm -hmm. that that kind of fills that spot. Uh, Two underclassmen. But catch the ball at OU. I don't know if either guy will come out. Charleston Rambo is having a monster year. Yeah, he's he a redshirt sophomore. And Grant Calcaterra, I guess he's their tight end, but he's not a tight end. Uh, he's a junior. So with Calcaterra, maybe he comes out. I don't know where he plays in the NFL at 6'3", 220 pounds. Because he's back. Like, yeah, I mean, yeah. but he's not. He's, I don't even know if he's big enough to do that, right? So yeah. it's like he's one of those dudes in the right scheme, like, Give Kyle Shanahan Grant Calcaterra. That's he'll, the, that's like, the he'll one. He'll scheme right. him, yep. touches, he'll make it work. But he goes he's somewhere Chris like Cooley. <laughs> yeah, right? But if he like goes to the Ravens, like, okay, he's never going to no. see the field. You know, like he, you have to have a scheme and a role in mind for him if you draft him. So I have him ranked in, in at 55 overall. That's so scheme and team specific, though. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that he's going to have to put on a lot of weight. I mean, they list him at 220. I wouldn't be surprised if he's more 215. Uh, honestly, but he's going to have to put on a lot of weight. He might be a guy that returns next year because he's not getting a lot of touches this year. His hype's not up as high as it was towards the end of last year, so I wouldn't be surprised if he returned to Oklahoma uh, and started to take away some of those number one touches. Same with Rambo. I think we see both of those guys come back next year with Lincoln Riley and really help their draft stock and become like the number one targets on that team. I mean, the last OC I saw to really feature an H-back was Chan Gailey. And boys, that was many moons ago. Two Chans Gailey hasn't been around in a while, so... I mean, I like Calcaterra, but like you said, just not really sure what he is right now. Yeah, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to look at the other side of the Red River Showdown, the Texas Longhorns draft prospects. On the other side of the field today, guys, the Texas Longhorns. And this is a very young football team. Mello mentioned it a little bit earlier. Let's start with Sam Ellinger. He's not going to declare. No. Um, I, I, he's not. So we he don't need to not. talk about him, where he would stack if, in the 2020 he, draft class. If he started to declare, if there were rumors, I would kidnap him. <laughs> I would chain him to a tree in Austin and say that he couldn't leave. I would probably start rumors that he'd, like, robbed a liquor store. You know, like, <laughs> no, the character's terrible. He's going to fall the draft. I would encourage him to go just to be a troll. Right. No one went to his birthday party. You Sam, can't right. draft this Everyone's guy. saying you're a first-rounder. you got to leave. Right. No, yeah, I'm sure there's someone on Twitter who's saying he is. So I, I don't feel like we need to – I'm not evaluating Sam as a draft prospect. I'll just say that. But like Connor said a little bit ago, his wide receiver, Colin Johnson – 
Six foot six, 215 pounds. The staff there will tell you he's running a verified four or five. He is, the team loves him. I mean, he's roommates with Zach Shackleford, the center. Like, they love the character and the makeup of Colin Johnson, but he's never on the field. And, like, that's my issue with him as an analyst and as a fan is, like, man, I just haven't seen this guy play enough football over the last two years. And the people who take his targets, whether that's LJ Humphrey or Devin Duvernay, do better. They outproduce him. So I understand the appeal with the size and the traits are going to be there, but he's not that fast. Like, that's the key. I think some of that is scheme fit. They know that they can put Colin on the outside. Putting a guy that's 6'6", 225 in the slot to play that is probably not going to work. I don't think that he's agile enough. But I'm I'm hard on the Texas guys. I, I don't see it as much as other people do. I like the size. But I haven't seen the production. When you're 6'6", 225, you should be able to bully every corner in the Big 12. And we just haven't seen that kind of production from him. And this year, he can't get on the field as well. Uh, I do think that teams are going to fall in love with him. I think that uh, maybe a team like the Steelers or somebody like that is going to say, okay, we need a big red zone target. Let's pair him with some of the other receivers that we already have, and this will sit us over the top. But I don't think you target a guy like that until – Round three? I don't. Yeah, I, would say, I don't think he's a day. He's definitely not day one for me. I don't know if he's day two for me. I think if he runs a low four five at his size, yeah. somebody will take the chance on him. I think so too. I think that kind of athleticism will really draw someone in. But I think with Colin Johnson, you look at the size and the athleticism. But he plays more as a number two possession guy for me at times. Great catch radius. He can really win at the catch point, but. You don't see maybe a ton after the catch. I don't think yeah. he's, you know, he's not somebody you consistently rely on. So I'm with you. I don't think he's in round one. Uh, I think the injuries for me are the biggest concern because injured players in college often stay injured in the NFL. Yeah. Yep. And I think that's why he'll fall more in the top 75 to 100 range rather than the top 50. One, one thing I do love about him is that when it's third down, third and 15, you know, third and long, they target Colin yeah, Johnson. Like he's they the guy. know, okay, I have to convert here. This is where I have to go with the ball. They've been doing that for the last two years when he is on the field. Before we move on to another player, because I think this is a good conversation, do you feel like he's held back by Ellinger? Like if he was in a different offensive scheme with a better down the down the field thrower, we would see him break out more? Yeah. I, I, I do. feel that way. I, I think that he and not even so much Ellinger, I think it's just the offense. That's what they want to do. Uh, with this Ohio State-type offense that Tom Herman runs. They don't take a lot of chances down the field. That's why a lot of people were low on Dwayne Haskins last year. It's like they don't do it. They're going to throw the quick screen. They're going to throw the slant. That's how they're going to get their receivers the ball. They're not going to take those chances downfield, and that's probably what Colin Johnson would do best. And one more positive on him, he throws his body around as a blocker, and he definitely deserves credit for that. He He really, really does. He's a tough guy at blocking run-blocking receiver in the nation. Right I now. would agree with you. All right, moving on. Brandon Jones is a player that I've been watching, Mel's been watching since he was a freshman. And this guy has been a name at Texas since the day he signed there. He started as like a special teams performer, and then he was like in the number three safety. He's really emerged the last two years. And I will agree, Mello is very critical of Texas prospects. I think even you have to say, like, B. Jones' development the last couple of years has been really nice to see. But... He's a box safety. Let's yeah. not get this twisted. He is almost like a lost breed in the NFL. I, I, I think so, too. I I don't like what he does in coverage. Uh, I do like the box safety type mentality, and I love the way that he contributes on special teams. So I think that late 
in the draft, somebody is going to take a flyer on him. And he's a great character guy. The dude works his ass off in the locker room. He's yep. a good veteran leader on this team already, uh, commanding the secondary. I like Brandon Jones. I don't know if he's going to be uh, – He's going to be a guy that can come in and be your three safety. Yeah, he can come in and fill over the top, and he's going to mainly play in the box. But I, I don't know that I'm going to give him love in the first or second round. I think it's probably more 4-5 for me right now. Yeah, I'm with you there, but I actually really, really like this player. I, I think he's a good tackler. I think he does yep. a lot. He has really good reactions underneath. And once again, he's a tough player, special teams. When, yeah. when teams see that, They'll value that in the NFL because if you could take a Brandon Jones in round three, four, or five, and he's on the field for you for special teams right away making plays and is probably, like you said, a rotational kind of safety. Todd Bowles uses three safeties a lot. We've seen Greg Williams do it before. I mean, I think when it comes down to it, there is value for that. Yeah, I mean, the the Chargers want to do it. It's just they they don't have the bodies. Yep. I I actually have B. Jones in the second round. Do you? Uh, I I feel like he's going to test really well, and he fits the mold of – You know, it used to be like, oh, box safeties, no one wants them. I think people do want them now. They're just almost a linebacker. You know, it's like just the versatility. I I like it a lot. So I'm a little bit higher on him. I I worry about the positional value of the safety class. I think that we've all talked about how Delpit is falling down boards. Uh, The next guy for me would be Xavier McKinney. And then after that, I don't love anybody yet. The Georgia safeties are pretty damn good. I like both of them. Uh, But I don't know that even for me, they're second round guys. Oh, yeah, I think they're second-round guys all day. You think uh, so? Next for me in Texas, again, this is not a deep Texas draft class. This is a young team. Devin Duvernay, that wide receiver, we talked about him on the Friday show. That's one of my guys. I have him in round three. I mean, he just is who he is. He's 6'1", he's 205. He is incredibly fast. He's great with the ball in his hands, but he is a little bit limited in his route tree. They put him in the slot. They let him beat you on slants. If your NFL team does that, He's going to be a great fit. Now, I should know the answer to this, but is he a senior? Is he, he is a junior. Senior. Oh, no, he is. Senior, yeah. Okay. He has to go to Mobile. Oh, yeah. yeah. In my opinion, he has to go there and show that he can run routes, that he can beat people off the line of scrimmage. Yep. I, I'm not a fan of – I love what he's doing for Texas. He's the leading receiver right now. I don't know how that plays in any other offense, though. I, I'm very low on him. Honestly, I, I would probably put an undrafted grade – on him right now, like, I just I don't think that he can win in the NFL. Uh, he would that have to go to shaking. I'm like, right what? Now. He would have to go to like a perfect fit where he's an underneath guy, like with the Patriots. Or I just don't see him winning many. We will take him in San Francisco. No well, problem. Yeah, Kyle Shanahan will turn him into a Pro Bowler, and I'll look like a jackass. <laughs> but I, I don't see him winning many battles with corners at the NFL. I, I think that he'll struggle to get off the line. And once you have to do more than just run a bubble screen, I think he's going to get lost God. in the mix. He reminds me of Stephon Diggs so much, though. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I do not get that vibe. Well, I like it when you and I disagree. Finally. Yeah. I, I just I would love to love him, but I saw L.J. Humphrey, who I did love last year, but LJ do the same thing. Lineman ran faster than L.J. Yeah, he was also like 6'4", 220 though, but Lineman ran faster than him. Yeah. At Texas he could separate. They got him the ball and he yeah. made things happen. That's what we're seeing with DuVernay now. I mean, I, I like what I've seen. I, I don't feel as strongly as Matt or as weakly as Melo on You're this right player. In the yeah. I'm just sitting right in the middle where he feels like your day three slot kind of guy. And I think the most important point is that he does need to go to Mobile like Melo said. I think you yeah. need to show your quickness. You need to show in one-on-ones that you're not getting yep. tossed around. Because those corners down there are going to be very physical players. So I think for oh, Duvernay, he, yeah. he's made the most of his targets, which is exciting. 
But the question is, is he anything more than a number five backup slot kind of receiver? Yeah. Was it Rocky Sin last year yes. that was just mobbing people you at the line? You could hear the pop. Breaking collarbones. It, it's, right. Exactly. Yeah. It sounded like bones were shattered. I think both Texas receivers need to go to the senior bowl and prove that they can yep. win one-on-ones. Rocky Sin, a player that a lot of people got mad at me about because I said he was going to get drafted in the first round. He was the number 33 pick in the draft. I was so close. Or 34. He was 34. So uh, that's really it for Texas. Center Zach Shackelford, I think, will get drafted, but he's like a day three late guy. I don't think he's particularly strong. I think he's smart. I think he's a good leader, but I don't see him like move guys off their spot. Yeah, I I don't see it either with him. And I think Sam Cosme, the tackle, is getting some attention too. He's too young. He's athletic, but I, I don't think that he's a prospect for this year. I think maybe we look at him for next year as well. It is draft on draft time here at Off the Cuff, which, again, if you're in Deep Elm, if you're, hell, if you're in Dallas, I highly recommend you get to this place. The TV setup's amazing. The bar but itself's amazing. You have these huge windows. Like, this is a beautiful day uh, to watch football. It's a great place to hang out. But it is live draft on draft time. So we're going to get that kicked off with our guy. I like to call him John. His name is Tyler. What's up, guys? Uh, I got a fairly simple question. But uh, I see Purdue rolled out some special uniforms for today's game. Yeah. In my opinion, these are the best uniforms I've ever seen. I'd like to get y'all's. So I think Army's last year for Army-Navy was the best uniforms I've ever seen. Two years ago. Two years ago. The the all-blacks. No, no, no. no. Don't yell at me. No, no. Last year was better than because they did the black and red. (laughs) Is that the big red one? Yes. Army last year was so amazing. I think Army's always the best, What are the Purdue uniforms this year? No, the moon. You can scroll through. Okay, why, though? They had 13 astronauts go to Purdue. Okay, all right. Now I'm on board. Neil Armstrong went to Purdue. I saw them, and I'm like, why the hell is there a moon for Purdue? Like, they're the Boilermakers. I want to. I to be at all our podcasts to yell at me about my opinions, though. I love it. He's <laughs> about like, uniforms. You, man. No, it's, about, <laughs> it's not even his draft on draft question. He's getting no, in on it. I, I will agree with him, though, because wasn't that two years ago where it was, like, snowing everywhere? And they were wearing the all, all whites. whites. With the snow. Yeah. yeah. It was like they knew what was happening, and they played for the right But last year, it was, like, the black and red. It was it was clean last year for the it hundred. Every year they're amazing. I, like I'm an army fan. Like it's Texas then army for me. So I'm sorry, Connor. You can get in on the segment if you no, want. No, no, no. I'm We're enjoying this. Taking it over. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love these. They're clean, super clean. Anything all white looks good, but even the patch is awesome. But yeah, I, I'm helmets, with you. The, helmets, the army good, ones yeah. are my favorite, and I'm biased. I always say I grew up like 30 minutes from West Point, and they're actually good again instead yeah. of watching winless teams every year like it was yep. for me growing up. Um, but these Purdue uniforms are awesome. And Definitely I'll, top five in recent years. I'll drop a spoiler. I feel strongly that we will be at Army-Navy next year on the tailgate tour. Just going to throw that out Spoiler there. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. You have to listen to the end of the show to get some of this information. I feel pretty good about that one. That's a good fucking question, man. Way to start off the segment strong. All right. Next draft on draft question from our guy who's been yelling at us for five Dalton's minutes. just going to yell He's at chomping us at the bit to get on this <laughs> right. microphone right now. I'm always chomping at the bit to get on the microphone. Yeah, we're not, not going to get the mic back. All right. Go for it, buddy. All right. So... I saw early in the season, actually preseason, that Jordan Love is a really highly touted prospect. His arm is phenomenal. It's effortless. My issue with him has always been his decision-making, especially this year. My question is with the big-arm athletic quarterbacks in Justin Herbert and Jacob Eason, why are NFL evaluators still so enamored with Jordan Love, even with his decision-making post-snap yeah. being? No, I think that's a really good question. And it's it's tough like for me when I rank him because I want to rank him based on what I see, and I know I'm going against what I hear. 
like when I hear this guy's gonna be a top 10 pick and I'm like ah but like I don't see that from him so I think it's like we're always enamored with this guy has a big arm and I bet I can fix everything else instead of Jake Fromm he has everything else but he doesn't have a big arm we talked about Drew Locke this way last year and I coined the phrase girlfriend nice NFL teams are going to see that and say man I can tell him not to throw into triple coverage I can work that out and after I do that he's going to be perfect because he does have a big arm he can throw with accuracy he can move in the pocket you just have to make him stop like, making those two dumbass hours throws. From where Pat Mahomes grew up. Everyone wants that right now because I don't know if anyone else remembers watching in Pat yeah. in college. He made some questionable decisions. He made some and, terrible decisions. But now decisions. everyone looks at Jordan Love and they're like, "Oh shit!" Like, yeah. But so, he's not Pat. I'll yeah, say that. So I guess no my is. question is, why Love over Jacob Eason, who is oh, bigger yeah, and has character. a bigger arm? Really, it's yeah. like it's character, mental makeup. Like with Justin Herbert, he's not a bad kid. He's just soft, is what you'll hear. Yeah. With Jacob Eason. Like, he's just immature. You know, like, he might be, like, kind of a goof, and, like, he might not take it super seriously. Those are not my opinions. Those are things I'm told. With Jordan Love, it's like this small school kid just, like, loves football, and you're not going to have to worry about anything. So I think it's – I think that gets into it. And I also think being at a small school and a quarterback is almost an advantage for you because, like, Josh Allen, Carson Wentz, you're like, oh, but his support's like that shit. I was going to go. They're so bad. Having a Daniel Jones. Like, look how good he would look. Daniel Jones' receivers led the nation in drops. They couldn't catch anything. And I think a lot of people, at least on draft Twitter, they want to find, like, the guy. So they will scour small schools and be like, (laughs) who's pretty athletic with a big arm? I mean, I've seen people Vernon already talking Adams. about, like, Flacco's <laughs> little brother. It's like, yeah. I, I'm not digging into that yet. I'm trying to get to Jacob Eason and Jake Fromm. Yeah. But I think a lot of people gave Jordan Love attention. It's like, okay, let's look at the stats. Yep, check that box. He's athletic. Yes, he's tall. It's They're just going through it. Um, much like guys like Bill Parcells did. I think that's what a lot of people did. So they have his hype up there, but he's still making some really bad throws. The questions so far are amazing. Who's next? Hop in, guys. Don't be shy. Giants fan here. Oh, unfortunately. God. Sorry. Yeah. Yikes. It's all right. I'm a Jets fan, so. Yeah. <laughs> we can relate. Um, all right. So, the Giants this year look to be just good enough to where they're not going to get, like, that premium, like, top three pick that we looked at the past two years. Um, and also, needless to say, we have a ton of holes pretty much all over the roster. Um, so, assuming, you know, we're middle of the pack, somewhere around that, like, eighth, ninth pick, you know, what would you recommend if you were Dave Gettleman? Uh, you know, go receiver. I would fire myself first. If I were Dave Gettleman, I'd fire myself it's... and hire my real self. Um, no, I think receiver, this is such a deep class. And like we were talking about earlier, I don't know if you heard, like these receivers might get pushed down a little bit. So could that be an area where, like, could Jerry Judy be available there? Like, maybe. I mean, he realistically, there's a good chance of that. And then I actually don't hate your guys' offensive line. Like, I, I like mm-hmm. a lot of the pieces Will on the O line. I love what, yeah. So it's just like letting those guys develop a little bit and gel together. So I would look at defense. I know they spent two first yeah. rounders last year on DeAndre Baker and on Dexter Lawrence. Dave Gettleman loves linebackers. If Isaiah Simmons is there yep. and Jerry Judy's off the board, like, that's my pick. Like, slam it down. I'm out of there. Uh, for me, it would start with a pass rusher. And that was one of my biggest complaints last year when they took Daniel Jones at six was I felt like they could have used their other pick to move up to get him again. And, take a Brian Burns or someone like that and I think the Giants will need to go back to that this year AJ Epinesa might be on the board right there 
Chase Young will not be because he no, should be the first yeah, pick yeah, in the draft. Yeah. Just ask, what needs to happen to drop that guy low enough? Yeah, oh my he God, I don't even know at this point. For his he might have to kill the, the Giants yeah, are they're rebuilding yeah. their defense, and that's okay. Everyone yeah. goes through it. I, I think Daniel Jones has obviously shown promising signs yeah. at times this year where the offense is a work in progress, but they need it all starts with the front seven, and, and Shane, uh, O'Shane Zimenez has had flashes, yeah. but they need a premier edge rusher. I really rusher. liked him. I, yeah. think, I, I, I know they feel good about him as well. I think he's going to come on. I think those kind of three positions we've hit on linebacker because Gettleman loves it receiver because there's going to be a lot of them and then edge rusher too I think with who's ever the best there kind of how the board shakes out yeah. and they probably will be picking towards 10 so whoever falls to them right there they have three good options I mean, linebacker edge rusher receiver all right go Gators the only only guy not wearing a Texas or OU shirt that's here, all right so I absolutely love it I wear one if I have it. Hi guys. Wow, the first person to skip up to their draft on draft question. And, like, read their question off their phone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, reigning stick to football. What would she win? Sticky. Lady of the year. Lady yeah. of the year. First, first lady. lady. Yep. First lady of stick lady. to football. Our right. queen, yeah. Melina Brown. Hi, guys. Um, Melina here. I have two questions. So how do Quentin Williams and Derek Brown compare as draft prospects, or do they not even compare? And um, how are teams going to deal with, like, the notable, like, lack of talent at the tackle positions and the kicker position? Because I feel like those two things, when I'm watching games this year, I see a lot of struggles there. Yeah, no, yeah. I think your first question, I think Quinn Williams was just unique. Like, he was so special. I actually, I love Derek Brown. We talked about him a little bit on the Friday show. He's such a unique talent, but he's like, he's a grown-ass man. You know, Quinn, like, he was still a baby. He was still developing. Yeah. Derek Brown, like, I really don't have any questions about. It's just a matter of, is he going to play five-tech, or is he going to play three-tech, or is he going to play both? Like, yeah. he's it's just like, going to go wreck your For me, Quinn Williams was like a Gerald McCoy-type guy with that potential on the upside. Yeah. Derek Brown, I'd say, is like Indomitian Sue. He's just wrecking everything. Uh, I love both prospects. I don't know that they're really the same kind of guy, but I, I think that both of them – I mean, obviously, I think Quinnen Derek got has drafted 30 high. pounds on Quinnen. Yeah. Or half yeah. Or when he was drafted. And he fits in every scheme just like Quinnen. I, I think he's going to be a special interior rusher. And I think, much like Quinnen, Derek Brown will probably be the first interior defensive lineman taken in this class. That feels like a safe bet right now. So, yeah, uh, yeah he's been killing it this year. Going back for his senior year looks like a really good choice. Yeah. To your second question, I think with offensive tackle play, We've seen it a little bit. Teams are going to, like, they're looking more at guys who play tackle in a scheme that fits what they do offensively. So, like, like Cody Ford last year. Like, that was an easy projection for some teams. Other teams hated him. So, I think we're going to see that with, like, Andrew Thomas this year, with Tristan Wirfs, where it's like, okay, especially because those two play in pro-style systems. It's like Georgia, you know, and we've seen it before, Notre Dame, Wisconsin, Michigan. Those teams that run more pro-style, their offensive tackles are almost going to go higher than, like, Connor Williams at Texas. You know, he was a good player. He's All-American. No one liked that scheme because the ball comes out so fast. He's never – he's not run blocking a whole lot. So, and then with kickers, I'm, I don't know. Like, it's, I don't know. it's hard. It really is. I When we evaluate kickers, I talk to guys like Jay Feely, you know, who did it in the NFL and, like, try to figure out, like, hey, like, how, how does – how do you watch a guy's mechanics? How do we figure out who's good? Because we talked about Roberto Aguayo, like – he, everybody thought he was going to be this amazing kicker, and he was out of the league in two years. Well, so. I think that happens every year. You'll see, like, the kicker from Georgia. I can't think of his name right now. I'm like, Blanket yeah, that shot. guy's got to be, like, a great kicker, right? And But then you'll see guys like that go undrafted. And it's like, well, he was so good in college. How come he can't kick the ball in the pros? I have no idea. It's all mental. I, I cannot evaluate kickers I, I think all. evaluating yeah. kicker, the first thing I would do would be evaluate the mental side of the game. Yeah. I mean, Aguayo was probably the best college kicker of all time, and he's one of the worst NFL draft picks of all time. And he just had a mental breakdown. So 
Uh, I know it's crazy to talk about like sports psychology, but I think with kickers, that really matters. Kickers Sam. and quarterbacks. He yeah. will rebound in the XFL. It'll be okay. Yeah. Love that. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Lena. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we'll get to more draft on draft questions. All right, we are back with more of your draft on draft questions. This man showed up in a Miami of Ohio Red Hawks Ben Roethlisberger jersey. Incredible. That's dedication. Yes. Hey, guys. Ben McNutt from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Big fan. My question is, if you were Kevin Colbert, would this be the year you truly invest in a quarterback of the future? And if so, being that we gave up our first for Minka, how far do you think we have to go up and who would you go up to get? I'm waiting for Melo to be like, no, you have Mason Rudolph. You're but fine. But do you? Like, but I don't know if he's still alive. Know. This is the problem. So maybe you have your quarterback of the future, but then he got taken out. I really liked Mason Rudolph. I thought he should have been a first-round quarterback. Apparently the Steelers did too, and they thought they could build around him. He didn't impress me the first couple games that he had. And then he the did whole play some tough defenses. Injury. And I think that they put the training wheels on him and said, okay, yeah. you're going to check down to Juju every game. We're not going to take chances with you throwing the ball down the field. But I liked Mason Rudolph. We'll see if he gets back on the field this year and what he can do. I think this is his chance to kind of showcase, can he be the guy for the future with Roethlisberger out? He might play, what, a year or two more. So maybe we'll see what they have with Mason Rudolph, but he's got to get back on the field first. I think this is not the year to trade up to get one, but I would be interested to see who's there in round two. Me like, too. I, I would be interested to see, like, is Jalen Hurts there? You know, is someone like that available in round two that maybe isn't ready right away, but if you have been for another year or two, you're okay, right? Yeah. I, I don't know what Mason. A hit like that can end your career, like mentally. Like you could be, you have the yips. You know, every time you see Earl Thomas, you're crying in a corner now. You know, like it really, like it's so difficult to come back from that. I, well, mean, I think we're even seeing it with guys like Baker Mayfield already this year. Like he's got hit so many times early that he's starting to see the rush. He's he's not seeing receivers. He's got so David Carr syndrome. Hopefully Rudolph can rebound and have a great career in Pittsburgh. I know it's tough for them not having that first round pick, but this is a year where you can sit on day two and develop a guy. I, I mean, we might see Easton declare. We don't know. We don't know what Joe Burrow is going to be, although I have a pretty good feeling he's going to find his way into the first round. I think and, so, too. And, and like Matt said, <laughs> Jalen Hurts, obviously. We've seen guys fall. Justin Herbert right now, yeah. I don't personally think he's a top 15, top 20 prospect in this class. So We know yeah. how it's going to go, though. It's gonna, it, there's going to be a rush on quarterbacks. Sure. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the Steelers are in the mode where they don't have to panic right now, and that's something to feel good about. Yeah. But if someone falls in their lap on day two, they could develop him. Justin Fields next year. Like, that's I would, I would oh, love that. God. That would, how great would that be? Right? That would happen to the Steelers, I'm too. already doing 2021 mock drafts because I'm tired of this class. Like, I'm already doing <laughs> this it. This happens to you earlier and earlier every, every year. year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to be doing high school recruiting yeah. soon. All right, buddy. Next question. How's it going, guys? Uh, miserable Arkansas Razorback fan here. But there we that's go. not what my Ooh. question is We're going to be there next year, though, uh, probably. Spoiler alert. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be up there. <laughs> We're doing the whole tailgate We've talked about tailgate toward 2020. We're ready to release it. Great place to tailgate, but don't expect the Razorback win. Me and my boy over here actually at uh, Houston, OU, week one, September 1st. And obviously from September 1st to now, the uh, story around the Houston program is just yeah. escalated quickly. Yeah, it so has. Not sure if y'all covered this already. Couldn't hear you over there. But uh, the whole Twitter rant by that uh, offensive lineman yesterday kind of yeah. compounded into the whole weirdness of the De'Eric King situation. Just kind of where do you see this so, yeah, Houston we, thing going? We didn't cover earlier, and, and I, we talked about it yesterday on the way down here. I feel like we don't know enough, and obviously we've had Coach Holgerson on the show, and you want to respect, you know, what he's trying to do and build. So I don't want to like come out and be like, "Oh, like fuck college football, you're taking advantage of these players." Yeah. I think there's two sides to every story, right? So who knows, man? I I feel like the rule is in place that you can redshirt and play four games. Why not use that to your advantage? And 
if the players are okay with it, I'm okay with it. But yeah. on the other side of that, if you're pressuring guys to redshirt and saying you'll pull their scholarship if they don't, that's a pretty fucked up thing to do. Yeah, I see both sides of the story from the coach and the player. The coach is trying to build something. Season didn't get off to a great start. So let's redshirt your best player. Try it again next year. But from a player standpoint, you're going out there, you're sacrificing your body, and you don't have all your guys with you. Like, that would piss me off. And you don't see that very often in college football because a lot of times you'll see it in the pros where teams like the Dolphins are tanking but they're still running out all their players. They're not saying, well, we're taking, let's not play Josh Rosen until next year. But that's what Houston's doing. So I get it from both points, point of views. Uh, if I'm a player, there's no way I would do it. I would probably, if I were that offensive lineman, I would redshirt and transfer. I'm going to grad transfer out. I don't want to play there for that. There is nothing that will stop them from doing that. I mean, it's like they can sign an LOI that says, no, I'm going to redshirt and come back. So you could... Yeah, you flip the switch on him. He was yep. in a tricky situation because of all the injuries he's had. He's transferred a couple of times. Uh, yep. The last time we jumped early on a story, it turned out that Richard Sherman and Baker Mayfield made a lot of people made a lot of people mad. So I am <laughs> curious how to follow you can it. Take a shot at, at Baker Mayfield, though. I, you got to take. It. I think yeah, Matt made a lot of <laughs> new friends after that one. Uh, but I think it's a story worth following because Dana's coming in and plans to be at Houston for a very long time and has big plans for the program. And uh, it's getting loud in here. It's getting close to kickoff. We might be able to get one more question. And, and I think we're not, we're not done with that story yet. Do, yeah. do, you, do you feel like the red shirting, though, is actually going to like go into Eric King's advantage? Like, oh, in his yeah. favor? Yeah. I think yeah. so. I yeah, really I, do. I personally do. Yeah. Yep. All right. Thank you, man. I think they're going to cut us off here with the sound. So uh, thank you to everybody for coming out. Thank you to the guys off the cuff for hosting us. Hook them horns, baby. Let's go, Texas.